Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. Hey, we're here today with Dr. Elena Lister, author of the book Giving Hope, Conversations with Children about Illness, Death, and loss. Dr. Lister is a professor of psychiatry and also treats adults and children and teens, a lot of teens facing all life issues. She specializes in grief and she is a frequently sought out expert on dealing with loss in schools around the country. She does programs in schools when the school community is dealing with a loss or some type of grief. And she has many years of experience helping families and communities deal with all kinds of losses. As parents, there's this tendency to want to protect our kids from death and scary topics like cancer and terminal diseases. But what Dr. Lister's work shows is that we actually don't do them a service if we don't talk about these things because we're not stopping them from finding out that these things exist. And if we don't talk about it with them, then we're not helping them process. So how do we have conversations about death and grief? Whether our teenager is dealing with grief right now, whether they've gone through some type of a loss recently or in the past or in their childhood, or whether you want to start talking with them about death and grief and loss and get them thinking about it and preparing for it. All of that and more is coming up on the show today. Dr. Lister, thank you so much for being here. We are really, really excited. I've read your book here, Giving Hope, Conversations with Children about Illness, Death, and loss, and also this guidebook, I Will Remember You for Teenagers on Dealing with Grief. And we're going to be diving into all that stuff today. But can you talk a little bit about what kind of got you interested in this field? Children going through grief is really a specific thing to be interested in or to dedicate yourself to. What drew you to that or how did you find that? Yeah, that's such a great question because it is the basis of the passion for what I do. When I finished medical school and residency and the rest child fellowship and all that, I was not specializing in grief, but I got married during my fellowship. I had a child and I had another child and my second child, my younger daughter was diagnosed with leukemia when she was four Mm. and she spent the next two years battling it and with lots of ups and downs, of course, and then she died of leukemia when she was six. And at that time, her older sister was nine. So I had two young children and we lived with it with both children knowing that our younger daughter was dying. She actually sensed it, knew and told me that she was dying. And so my husband, myself and my kids, we all together had three months when we knew she was dying until she died, that we were all together and we talked about dying a lot. And then I was with my daughter 
afterwards as she grieved. But part of it was that I could see that my younger daughter was five and a half, that she could talk about this was astonishing. And of course, she seems spectacular to me. I'm her mom, but it felt to me like a lot of young children probably can. And we worked with my older daughter's school. We went to her third yeah. grade class, and there's a story about that in the prologue. And I sat with 120 third graders, and all of them could talk about it. And that was when I changed course in my career and decided I wanted to help people to deal with this and in particular help parents deal with their children about loss because we found it very hard to find people who could talk to us about it. And mm. I just felt, did not want other people to feel as emotionally alone as we had during our journey. it's really a powerful story that starts out the book and yeah, it really got me thinking, you know, this whole book, uh, yeah. And you make a really, uh, have great examples and go really specific into kind of different situations and in depth, but also there's kind of a compelling argument throughout the book that it's better to discuss these dark and difficult topics that we think maybe as parents that we'd want to protect our kids from that it's actually better to discuss it with them and that they will have, a better time kind of coping with it and going through it and it will be better for everybody. And it's really interesting. And, and it's what played out at the school, I guess, is that you went in and talked about it with everybody and got all the parents talking to the kids. Yeah, there are a lot of stories and we put those in on purpose because this is my experience yeah. as a clinician and we felt it made it more real and accessible for people. But yeah. you are so right about the main thrust of what we believe. And we believe that one should talk openly and honestly in a gentle, compassionate, and age-appropriate way with children about death. In fact, we believe the best protection is when you talk with them about it, not not talking about it. And the way that becomes protection is, I mean, none of us want to think about this. None of us want to talk about this. But we have to because death and loss are inevitable. And Mm. so means it's an inevitable part of parenting. So since it's going to be there, if you allow your child to have some facility with it, to have some mastery, to understand what they feel, to know what's going on, they learn that they can handle hard stuff. And when they learn they can handle hard stuff, that means they look at the future and they say, oh, well, I handled hard stuff. I can handle Mm. other hard stuff. Whereas if you don't talk with them about it, they never have the chance to learn resilience. And we think that's real important. So the story that you were referring to, Andy, was a different school. I was called to consult, and I do a lot of consultations in schools, kids of all ages. And one school, kindergartners, there was a teacher who was dying. And I um, suggested and recommend, they called me in, recommended that they tell the children that this teacher was dying, beloved teacher, partly because I believe in this and partly because the children were asking, how come Mrs. So-and-so is out? And it's easy to make up a story kind of, of, you know, um, exactly. Vacation and uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yes, won the lottery she and she's now <laughs> Bora Bora. <Yeah. laughs> right, exactly. If only, right? But the parents knew, and so that's the other risk. If you do not talk with the child directly, they're going to overhear it, yeah, and then they're going right. to be left alone with it because you don't know they know, and yeah. they know that you didn't tell them, so maybe they don't want to ask you about it. 
In that school, after the teacher died, I continued to work with them because I believe in working with people where they are. And it was not my recommendation, but I felt that I wanted to at least be on the journey with them. And those children had a lot of symptoms. They were wetting their beds. They were clingy. Mm -hmm. They were having difficulty separating, a lot of stomach aches, going to the school nurse all the while before she died. And then she she was absent, really terminally ill. They were never told she wasn't coming back. And then she died. And the kids mm-hmm. were just really, really devastated. In the other school, same grade, also a teacher dying. They said, okay, if you believe that we should tell the children, then we're going to create an environment in which we can do that. And we worked with the parents to help them understand how to talk about it and why I believe that we should talk about it. And those kindergartners had several episodes, weeks, with their dying Uh... teacher in a hospital bed on FaceTime and Mm. they sang him songs and they made him cards and they told him how much they were going to miss him. And he told them how much he loved them and how he was sad that he wasn't going to be able to finish the year with them, but he knew they were going to get a great new teacher. And those kids did not have symptoms. They were sad. They cried, but they knew that they had told this person what they felt Mm. and how good a man he had been for them. And so they were not left with a lot of residue about it. They cried and they were upset, but they did not have difficulty sleeping. They did not wet their beds. So it really was a a concrete demonstration of how if you don't tell, it can be really damaging. There's also an example towards the start of the book of this girl who's like at summer camp. She comes back from a summer away at camp and her parents tell her actually on the first week while you were gone, grandpa passed away. And we didn't want to tell you because we wanted you to have a great time at camp. So then it's like they've all processed it all summer and are in one place with their mourning process. And she's just hearing the news now and trying to start going through the grief and really got me thinking just that would be a tough decision as a parent you know what do you do you just sent your kid away from camp and then something like that happens i mean i've worked with families where a parent is dying and it's time for summer camp Mm. and what we often come to is that the children go to camp with the understanding that if that parent worsens they'll be called and they can come home for a while and be with that parent perhaps till they die and then go back to camp if they feel up to it so all the names have been made different and ages are different and so that you can't recognize anybody we really want to protect the privacy of the people we work with but the situation you're talking about in our book is a little girl who's called brianna and brianna's grandpa dies and what happened for brianna is that she felt completely distanced from her family as you well said they were sort of in a different place on their Mm. mourning process and she felt betrayed and then she felt guilty she'd been off having this great time at camp while they were all sad and did that make her a bad person and Mm. then she felt she couldn't talk with her parents about all sorts of other stuff because they didn't talk with her about stuff so if you talk with your child about stuff when they're younger when they get to be teens and there's a lot 
of complicated stuff to talk about, they will trust you that you respected them enough to be honest with them earlier and they will come to you with the tough stuff because you've come to them with the tough stuff. So I think Brianna actually felt unable to be around loss and had a very hard time for years after because of it. And while that's one example in the two schools I was just referring to, we use those examples because they're typical. And then there's, that's not a rare outcome. That is a common situation where if a child is not told when somebody dies when they're away, it leaves them feeling alone and unable to process loss and talk with their parents mm. in, for years to come. Does anybody worry that maybe talking too much about death and some of these topics might really freak kids out? Cancer, terminal illnesses and stuff like that might get kids obsessing about these things or something and that maybe it's better just not to talk so much about that kind of stuff? Andy, that's such a great question because this is a major concern we run into with parents and I haven't seen it. It does not happen. And I think the reason is because children are exposed to death all the time. I mean, I don't know whether you remember your Disney movies, but in every single Disney movie, a character dies in books, in nature. So you're not teaching your child that death happens. They know what you're doing is providing them an opportunity to talk about it. And you're also not talking about it every day. You introduce it and maybe you come back to it at some time down the line. So it's not like it's the only thing you talk with them about, and in fact, <laughs> can, which would be terrible. We give an example of, let's say you had to tell your child that there was something really sad happened. Aunt Jane died. And you okay. tell, listen, we have some <clears throat> sad news. Aunt Jane died and we're going to spend some time together. That's one way we recommend telling. And you and your child sit and you talk about it. And then you said, you always recommend, do you have any questions? Ask, do they have any questions? And your child says, no. And then you have in mind an activity you can do afterwards. Okay, let's go make mac and cheese for lunch. In other Mm. words, you're not dwelling constantly in it, even in the face of a loss within the family. You're showing that we weave this into life. And what I thought was really interesting about how you think about this is that there's kind of different levels to process it on. You have some event that happens when a kid is eight years old or something. You might give them one version of the events, leaving certain kind of elements of it that you don't go into as deeply. And as they get older, then you, as you revisit kind of talking about it, you might go more into those things. What does that look like? Or how do you think about like what age a kid is and how to sort of gauge what to tell them and what to not tell them or or to save for later? Sure. Well, first of all, organically, as I mean, you may remember this from your old childhood growing up, things that you learned and thought about when you were six, when you think about them when you're 12, you think about them differently because now you've had six more years of experience and you're more sophisticated Uh, and all those things. And the same thing happens about a loss or death in general. So that's going to happen. It'll happen automatically. 
that you look back on things that happened when you were younger and you look at them with your older eyes. The best thing you can do as a parent is make sure you're available so that if, let's say, a teacher died when a child was four, and then this student is now in 10th grade, and they're thinking back to when they were in kindergarten, and they now they have some questions. So if yeah. you talk with them when they were four, they'll come to you and say, you remember when Mrs. So-and-so died? Why did she, die? you know, and they'll start asking questions because now they know different questions to ask. And that's yeah. great. It's an ongoing process. It, one thing we say a lot, it's not one conversation, it's many and over many years, but we are thoughtful about how old a child. So we recommend that if there are siblings in the family and they're different ages, you speak to the youngest child and you offer to the older child, you and I can have a follow-up conversation later. Okay, and yeah. we, we like that because we want to convey that this is a family thing and we go through it together. Yeah, and so everyone kind of gets yes. the news collectively at the same time. Exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also older sibling knows what younger sibling learned. And yeah. then later you can have a more detailed conversation. It's hard to do exact ages, but if you yeah. gave me an example, I could think about how yeah. much one would say, you know, that kind of thing. But we're thoughtful about the age and we're gentle in our recommendations. It's a gentle situation in which you're resonating with your child. Yeah. It's really about where they are and how they understand what's going on. It's not about telling them something. It's a conversation. Yeah. You don't have to necessarily just throw all the information at them at one time. For instance, in the chapter on suicide, you were talking about maybe letting a kid know for one thing, hey, Uncle Harry maybe passed away and they were there, ran into a tree. And then later on, you could reapproach it and say that we think maybe he, well, you know, here he left a note or whatever. And, well, you know, he took his own life. And what does that mean? And get into it. And I thought that was an interesting way of thinking about it is that you don't necessarily have to come out with everything all at once. Maybe even within the same day or something, you can revisit it and add more information as you sort of build out the picture for them or something. And that's, yeah, that's, cool. that's exactly right. And suicide is very hard for, I mean, it's so painful for everyone, as is loss in general. And many people think young children can't understand. I mean, it, it's hard for all of us to understand at any age, right? Um, yeah. But it's talked about, like at, at funerals now, they will say that somebody died by suicide. Yeah. And by the way, I don't use the phrase committed suicide because I think that implies something like a crime. Yeah. So when somebody died by suicide. And so if you don't allow your child to have some conversation with you about it, they're hearing these words and they don't know what they mean and they come to their own ideas and maybe even a four-year-old looks it up on the internet if they know how to read. So they're finding things out and you don't know what they're finding out and what's kind of how reliable are the sources. So we have an idea that at age six and above, you would lean toward including maybe in the second conversation that this person died by suicide and younger than that if they ask a question you answer honestly if they don't ask questions you may wait to fill that in until they're a little bit later mm. yeah yeah interesting yeah it's such a delicate balance to walk and also just being sensitive and knowing your child and what they're ready for 
I think. Yes. Not to be underestimated. <laughs> That's right. Know Your Child, I think, is the name of one of our chapters because we advocate that you think about who your child is, how have they responded to losses in the past? Do they like to be held and cuddled when they're getting difficult news? Or do they like to sit on the other side of the room with a toy truck or some sort of blocks in front of them or something that you think about who your child is and you convey hard news in the way that is most accessible to them? not you. It's not about you at that moment, you parent or grandparent or teacher. It's mm. about what's what the child needs and how they'll best be supported through handling hard stuff. Yeah. I like your focus on working through your own emotions first. That's kind of a starting point and Important. You know, the queen died recently, as I'm sure you know, and a lot yeah. of people who didn't know the queen are having reactions to it because mm. it's reminding them of losses they had in the past, completely unrelated to the queen. But a loss brings up past losses for all of us, yeah. everybody. So if you take the time to check in with yourself and think, what does this loss mean to me? Is it bringing up losses I've had in the past? Did I grieve for those losses? So you get yourself all centered and grounded. Okay, I understand that this is upsetting me tremendously. And this is why it's reminding me of when my grandpa died when I was eight and I never got a chance to say goodbye. And this is a loss that happens when they're a parent adult and they never got to say goodbye to the person who died. This is a parent thinking to themselves, I get it now. I'm kind of reacting to more than one thing right now. So let mm -hmm. me give myself some time to kind of collect myself and think about that. Am I angry? Am I numb? Am I sad? So that when you go in to talk to your child, you're not busy in your own head. You're there for your child. Mm. And that way your own noise doesn't get in the way and you can really focus on what your child needs because those are tender moments with a child. And the more you can kind of ground yourself, the more reassured they'll be that the two of you or the three of you or four of you are going to get through whatever it is you're facing. Yeah. You talk about these four elements in your book to be sure to communicate with your child for them to have a full understanding of death and their universality, irreversibility, finality, and causality. Is that more things that apply with younger kids or was that something that you would be thinking about with teenagers as well? What about what Well, about you know, if you think about it yourself, like how did you learn about death and understand that it's final and that somebody can't come back and so on? And so we would say, you're not going to sit down with a child of any age and say, so let me teach you about death. Yeah, there's four, four things you got to know. Right, okay? exactly. Well, anybody can break exactly. kids. First, exactly, right. Irreversible. And and right. And there's a quiz at the end, right? You know, so, you know, so, but those are the things you want to be thinking about that they understand, because yeah. if somebody dies in their world, you want them to understand that that person can no longer do human body things. 
that that person is not going to come back to life because think about computer games the figures come back to life all the time but that doesn't really happen the death happens to everybody and that it happens for a lot of different reasons so they're kind of very simple things but they help a child sort of understand the whole concept what is death Mm. all about after all that helps you if you're grieving and it also helps you if you're just learning about death we would suggest that like you know you have sex ed in school that maybe it's worth having death education in school too for kids so that they learn about it and talk about the hard stuff yeah in conjunction with parents then so parents that wouldn't have to do it. Yeah, that would be so <laughs> No, with so nice. the parents. What? <laughs> with the parents, meaning That's that the great they thing are... about sex ed is now we can just totally trust the schools to just take care of it for <laughs> take us. Take care. Yeah. No, I'm doing it. It's a collaboration, yeah. Andy, and you know okay. it. <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, we're here with Dr. Elena Lister talking about how to discuss illness, death, and loss with teenagers. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. Children can sense their parents are in a different state. So if you keep a secret, you're not actually really keeping a secret because you're conveying things non-verbally anyway. And the truth being, as we were saying, you can deliver it in stages, but you don't lie. Whatever you do, you don't lie. Even if you don't say everything, you don't lie. Because if you think about it, why would your child trust you to not lie to them about something else if you lie to them about this? My 98-year-old mother-in-law who died recently used to say, better out than in, meaning that it's better to get feelings out than keep them in. And so you can convey that without demanding of your child that they bring their feelings to you because a child should feel free. Maybe there's another adult. They like your best friend to talk to about this. All of us, all ages, feel more alone at night. Like to say goodnight, you have to separate. That's why kids call out for another glass of water. They want a light on in their room, you know. So you don't want to deliver really difficult news and then say, okay, All right. time for bed. Yeah, See right. ya. Bye. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you would ideally do it when there's a few hours at least beforehand so that they can have time to process it with you. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.